This morning as I was praying, I kept thinking about an interaction I had years ago when I was in the seminary up in Columbus, Ohio, when one of the times that I had to go back after Christmas break, I was kind of belly aching about the fact that I had to leave North Carolina and go up to Ohio where, it ne- where the sun never shines, basically. It's kind of funny. It's almost as though the seminary sets up the schedule that the most beautiful part of the year is when we leave. And so it's just always cloudy there during the school year. And I'm just kind of complaining like a typical, sorry guys, seminarian, and didn't want to go back to school. And my pastor at the time there at St. Thomas Aquinas in Charlotte, Father Remo de Salvatore, who is a Capuchin Franciscan, he said, so it's cloudy there all the time? I said, yeah. And he goes, well, it gives you a chance to focus on the true sun. It's like, wow. Thanks, buddy. Like, he really put me in in my place. And it was very helpful, and of course, you can probably imagine why that was on my mind a lot this morning. And we kind of waited for a game-time decision on whether we stay outside or come inside. And we sort of had a rain plan, but that was sort of like if it's kind of sprinkling or misting. Trying to celebrate Mass in a car wash just didn't seem smart. Um, So here we are, right? We're, We're inside, and, you know, we need to do what we can, obviously, to focus on the true sun in the midst of the ups and the downs and the craziness of this life. In fact, when you look at what St. Paul says in the second reading, it's a, a quote that's quite famous in a lot of ways. In fact, you may remember Tim Tebow had Philippians 4.13 on his eye black, and what that said was, I can do all things in him who strengthens me. Now notice, though, before that, what does St. Paul say? I've learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of living in abundance and of being in need. So to say I can do all things in him who strengthens me doesn't mean that because I have Jesus in my life, hey, it's a walk in the park. It's all easy, right? And now I think any of us who have strived to live out our Christian dignity, striving to live out our lives as followers of Christ, know that. That basically it's not as though you're baptized and now, hey, life's a bed of roses, right? Those roses have thorns, and we know that, and sometimes things are difficult. However, nothing is impossible as long as we stay close to our Lord. And I would say today, especially in this gospel, you know, it kind of reminds us of the, the big three enemies, right? The world, the devil, and the flesh. And when you look at this parable, and remember, once again, I mean, this is several Sundays in a row, that it's Jesus going back and forth with the chief priests and the elders of the people, talking to them in parables. It's not as though it's like, you guys are hard-hearted, I'm just done with you. He keeps trying to get in there. He keeps trying to soften their hardened hearts, to get them to follow him. But I'll tell you, I think it's important always that we don't just sort of think of this as, oh, you chief priests back there in the past. You know, you were so hard-hearted, unlike us today. And especially when you think about this, they, you know, the servants go out and invite them to the wedding feast of the king's son, but they refuse to come. And then, I mean, this is the amazing thing. After that insult, what happens? The king sends out more servants. And it's not as though in the first going back, he's like, how dare you insult me? No, he goes back and it's almost, I read a commentary, it kind of surprised me the word he used. He said, it's almost pathetic the way that they beg trying to get them to come. In the second round, tell those invited, this is the king speaking, 
Behold, I have prepared my banquet. My calves and fattened cattle are killed, and everything is ready. Come to the feast. And of course, what do they do? Some ignored the invitation and went away, one to his farm, another to his business. The rest laid hold of his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. Now, the reason I kind of zero in on that particular part is I think it's easy sometimes to think, oh, that's those chief priests, or that's the ways that the chosen people used to treat the prophets, but not us. Well, the hard thing is, is that we can all fall into indifference, right? That we can fall into this trap of even though we're invited to the wedding feast, the mass. Now granted, I don't like these sort of homilies at mass sometimes because it's like, yeah, Father, we're here. We get it, right? I remember I had a professor in college who always used to rail against us in class because of the students who were skipping class. It's like, thanks, buddy. We're here, you know, like I get it. But I bring this up because I know we can all go through this, right? Isn't it funny how the hardest time to pray is when we're on vacation. Have you ever noticed that? Like when we're in our daily routine, you know, it's not so bad. You can figure out the way to get to bed on time, to get up early, to make sure that you're spending some time on prayer. But when all of a sudden you've got time and the day is wide open, how often do our prayers just kind of slide off to the side, right? How often do we neglect our Lord? And that's why I think it's important to look at what St. Paul said. You know, I've learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of living in abundance and of being in need. I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. We never want to fall into the trap of taking our Lord for granted. He is with us, gives us himself, body, blood, soul, and divinity every single day in the Blessed Sacrament, stays with us all the time, gives us a foretaste of what Isaiah is talking about on this mountain, you know, all of the wonderful ways that he provides for our needs. But in particular, the Lord God will wipe away the tears from every face. And I will tell you that as we come to him, as we spend time with him every day, he does just that. It's not as though he takes away the struggles and the trials of this life. For whatever reason, they're there. We have our crosses. He's told us, if you're going to be my disciple, you have to take up your cross daily and follow me. But the reality is, is that the cross is not so big and so heavy that we can't lift it with his help. We need him all the time. And so what we ultimately have to do, you know, in the midst of our day-to-day lives, is to return to him time and time again. And I'll tell you, just to kind of give an example of that, now that we're all back inside on a Sunday. Now, I've been doing this since March. I'm going to do it again today, and it's kind of my plan going forward. Um, Back when we hit the time when we had to, you know, sort of close down the church, Mass is in private, we were only live streaming. I was still celebrating Mass at the normal main altar, and it got really depressing. Why? Because I was looking out at a big empty church, right? The only thing I saw was the blinking blue light up on the camera. And to be honest with you, that was tough. It was a hard thing to have. I missed all of you, right? At least now I get to see you even with your masks on, but here you are. You know, it's great. But it occurred to me, you know, what do we have here? Probably one of the most beautiful high altars in the diocese, if not in the country. It's beautiful, right? And so ultimately, what is my job as a priest, my life? What is my vocation about? It's about focusing on Christ. 
So what I started doing was celebrating Mass that's called Ad Orientum, facing the East. And it's called liturgical East when we're all facing the same way. It actually works out in our parish. This is the actual East. It's kind of a cool thing. It's the old tradition that, you know, our Lord would rise from the East like the rising sun. Anyway, I started facing the same way. Why? Because I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. I need all of you. I mean, we are in this together. We're part of the body of Christ. But there will come a time when, you know, I'm probably not your pastor anymore. There will come a time when some of you move to a different place or some of you pass away. We are here for each other, and it's an important thing. But ultimately, what is it that moves us through our day-to-day lives, that helps us to continue on in good times and in bad, in richness and poorness, you know, in sickness and health? Yes, I'm talking about the marriage vows. Why? Because we're talking about a wedding feast of the Son of God with his people, with the church. And so what is our, our strength, our salvation? What keeps us going? It's focusing on him. And I need to do the exact same thing in looking at him. So every time in the Mass, I'm praying to the Father. I'm, I'm offering the Mass. I'm facing him. Every time I get to talk to you, like when I say pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours, I turn and look at you. I go from the altar and coming back and say, the peace of the Lord be with you always. Why? Because as St. Augustine put it, he said, for you, I'm a bishop, with you, I'm a Christian. And the same thing applies to me as a pastor. I can't do this without Christ who strengthens me. We can't make a difference in the world without Christ who strengthens us. And the difficulty is, is we're all in danger from day to day of, following, of falling into that indifference that those first people do, that we're invited to come to the wedding feast, that we're invited into relationship with the Son of God, that we're invited to receive him in the sacraments. And how often do we act like those annoyed people and just push him away. I mean, what is one of those topics we can't discuss in public? Religion, right? It's also politics. I don't also enjoy discussing that either. But you know, religion and politics, we can't discuss it, right? Why? Because we get annoyed when it's like he wants to be in there. He wants to help us. He wants to bring us along. And sometimes we would rather just be in control of our own lives, which we're not. I mean, we were, we're reminded of that all the time, especially in 2020. What do we need? The Son of God, who doesn't leave us alone, who doesn't go away, who makes it possible for us to do all things in him who strengthens us, in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health, for richer or for poorer, he is the rock of our faith. He is what keeps us going. And so, like I said, in good times and in bad, we have to continue to return to him. We have to open up our hearts and let him in. I have to open up my heart and let him in and stay focused on him and then as your pastor bring him to you in the sacraments how incredible it is that we have that opportunity that he stays with us and the important thing we're reminded in this parable today is don't let it happen that you become hard-hearted that you become indifferent that you forget how good our heavenly father is easy to do when it's rainy and cloudy and difficult outside but remember this gives us a chance to focus on who the true son that enlightens every heart 
who reminds us each and every day that he will not abandon his people, that he has died for us, that he's with us in all of the times, good and bad, as long as we open up our hearts to him. Because as you see in this parable, he won't force his way in, but what he does continue to do is invite us into his love. My brothers and sisters in Christ, may all of us, each and every day, pray for one another that we accept that invitation and stay close to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.